Hello folks, welcome to this new episode of the podcast. Hope you're doing all right out there. I don't know if you can tell, but my voice sounds a bit funny. Can you tell? It's because I'm feeling a bit ill at the moment. I've got a bit of a throat infection, but it's okay. I'm on antibiotics. It's all fine and stuff. And I recorded this episode before I got ill. So now I'm just resting and getting better. Anyway, um, I just wanted to say at the beginning of this episode that uh, Luke's English Podcast is uh, made possible thanks to support from my listeners and also support from my sponsors. And for this episode, that is italki, that platform, which is very useful if you're looking for one-to-one lessons to help improve your English for whatever reason. It could be for a job interview or to take an exam or just for your general life. Um, with italki, you can choose from a big selection of teachers. You can set your own schedule. You can have lessons wherever you want because it's done online. And also, um, lessons can be designed to fit your needs specifically. It's great. And remember, if you use my special link, then you can get a free lesson from italki because they sponsor this podcast. Uh, to get that offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk. That's teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. It's National Pet Month in the UK from the 1st of April to the 7th of May, National Pet Month. Yes, so here's an episode all about living with animals, domesticated creatures, our furry companions, our four-legged friends, pets in their various shapes and sizes. National Pet Month is actually a registered charity in the UK and its aims are to promote responsible pet ownership and to make people aware of the mutual benefits of living with pets. You can find out more by going to nationalpetmonth.org.uk. So, just like everywhere else in the world, British people love pets. The most common ones being dogs, cats and fish. And since it's National Pet Month, I thought I'd talk about pets with James, my pet chimp. I mean, brother. James, my brother. He's not a chimpanzee. He acts like one sometimes, but I can confirm that he is a human, I think. That's what I was told anyway. So anyway, I'm talking to James, who is my brother. Now, we both had pets growing up together as children, so we thought that we would take a little trip down memory lane in this episode and remember some of those cute little animals that we loved so much when we were young. So yes, pets, it's a simple topic. It's a universal topic. I think pets are popular the world over. And it's a fun topic which we can use as a way of presenting you with some authentic listening practice in English. Now, when you think about it, humans have a pretty diverse relationship with animals. Sometimes we farm them and breed them for various purposes. Sometimes we ride around on them for transport or for sport. Sometimes we eat them, quite often actually, for lunch for example. Sometimes they eat us, less often, admittedly. Sometimes we just like to watch them eating each other, for example, in BBC nature documentaries. And sometimes we like to offer them a friendly invitation into our home 
so that they can come and live with us like little hairy members of the family almost. Just because we love them, we find them cute and they help to lower our blood pressure. Yes, apparently living with animals is very good for us. They're they're good for us. They're good for our health. They can keep us healthy. They're like little furry doctors with no qualifications except a degree in being warm and cuddly. Um, Yes, that is something that people say, that having a pet is good for you. They can lower your blood pressure, that uh, having a pet can help you to live longer. Yes, but surely it depends what kind of pet. I mean, sure, for a dog or cat, I can I can get it. But if you have a silverback gorilla or a saltwater crocodile as a pet, then you're probably not going to live to a very old age, are you? In fact, you'd, you'd be lucky to survive beyond a couple of minutes with a crocodile in the house. Oh, that's a lovely 23-foot-long crocodile you've got. Oh, how original to have a crocodile as a pet. They're basically dinosaurs, aren't they? So, oh, he's lovely. What's his name? Bitey. Bitey the crocodile. Okay. There, there, Bitey. Hello, little Bitey. Chomp. Oh, he's bitten my arm off. How adorable. Chomp, chomp. Oh, and now he's grabbed me by the leg and he's pulling me underwater where he'll drown me and then eat me in one go. How lovely. It does depend on the pet that you choose, of course. Crocodiles don't usually make great pets, I expect, but I don't know. Maybe they're very loving and gentle. Let me know if you have a crocodile as a pet. Anyway, the most common pets in the world are generally lovely and fluffy and not usually our natural predators, of course. Here is, in fact, some pet data for you. So, according to the Society for Consumer Research, and this was published in PetFoodIndustry.com, globally, 57% of consumers own pets. And that's according to more than 27,000 online consumers uh, who were surveyed in 22 countries. So 57% of consumers own pets. Dogs are the most popular pet globally, owned by 33% of respondents, with cats next at 23%. The listing continues with fish at 12%, birds at 6%, and other pet types at 6%. Um, The top pet Uh, countries are Argentina with 82%, which I think means that 82% of people who took the survey from Argentina um, had pets, Mexico with 81%, and Brazil with 76%. They have the highest rates of overall pet ownership among the 22 countries surveyed, with dogs being the most popular pet in all three nations. The countries included in the survey were Argentina, Australia, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, China, Czech Republic, France, Germany, Hong Kong, Oh, is that a country? Don't email me about that. It, these aren't my words. These are the words of, um, uh, what was it? Pet, petfoodindustry.com. Um, Italy, Japan, Mexico, Netherlands, Poland, Russia, South Korea, Spain, Sweden, Turkey, UK, and the USA. Uh, the top 20 dog populations. Um, US, USA are number one with uh, nearly 70 million dogs. 
Then Brazil with about 35 million dogs, China with 27.5 million dogs, Russia in fourth place with uh, 12.5 million dogs, and Japan in fifth position with about 12 million dogs. The UK are in the what? One, two, three, four, five. We don't care? You don't care. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, about ninth position with about nine million pets. Cats, um, USA again are in top place. It's a bit like the Olympics, this, isn't it? Somehow always predictable. It's always, okay, America and then China. America in, in top place in terms of cat population. S- uh, nearly 75 million cats in the USA. Uh, about 53 million cats in China. Uh, nearly 18 million cats in Russia. Uh, Brazil in fourth place with uh, about 12.5 million cats. Then France, uh, 12 million cats. J- uh, UK are in one, two, seventh position with 8 million cats. Okay, just a bit of cat and dog uh, data there. Because you've got you've to throw in some data, haven't you, to make something seem more legitimate. So there you go, a bit of data there for you, for all of the, the, the people who like numbers. So around the world, there may be different cultures of pet keeping. For example, whether it's normal to neuter or spay your pets. To neuter, you neuter a male uh, animal and spay a female animal. And both of them mean giving the animals an operation on their reproductive systems so as to make them infertile or unable to breed. Now, in some places that's normal, for example, in the UK, and in other places you might consider that to be a horrible thing to do. Um, So you can see the culture is probably different in some parts of the world. Or it could be whether it's normal to keep your pets mostly indoors or to keep them outdoors. For example, in some countries, you wouldn't dream of letting your dog or cat stay outside all night. It might not just be in some countries. It might be, for example, in some parts of countries like in, you know, cities versus the countryside or whatever. You know, whether you keep your dog or cat in the house at night or whether you let the dog or cat outside. Um, You know, it sort of depends. So there are different cultures. And the cultures may be different, but one thing's for sure, all humans... Or, well, humans the world over, it seems, um, have the desire to live with animals as companions. And over time, we have developed a symbiotic relationship with certain animals, notably dogs, who seem to express a sense of duty towards their owners and perform various functions for humans. There are ethical issues relating to keeping pets too, of course. It's always hard to escape issues of morality and ethics, even in a seemingly innocent topic like this. For example, is it somehow cruel to keep animals as pets? And how do pets affect the natural world around them? So my conversation with James touches on some of these things, but the main reason we chose to talk about this topic was just to let you hear a conversation in English about a subject that I'm sure that you can all relate to. And the main focus of our conversation is just to remember the various pets that we had when we were growing up as children. So listen out for some little stories and memories and also descriptions of typical behaviour in the past. See if you can notice certain features of grammar and vocabulary in the way that we express these ideas. Uh, The specific vocabulary and grammar relating to those things, um, I can deal with them specifically in another language-focused episode at some point. But this one is all about listening to some real British English conversation 
And so, without any further ado, let's talk to James about pets. Okay, James, so we're going to talk about uh, pets. Okay. Do you think that the audience are expecting this to be riveting and and hilarious? Uh, I don't know. I've got a feeling that people will see the title of the episode, if indeed the title is Pets or something, and they'll go, oh, Pets. But um, actually, I think it's a lot more interesting and fun than people might expect, don't you think? Mm, I do think. Yes, good. I'm glad we'll, you agree. We'll soon see, won't we'll we? We'll see. I, w- I wouldn't want to build it up too much. Um, so we're going to talk about pets. And um, are you a pet person? I mean, are you the sort of person who has... Do you have any pets? No, no, not officially. Not officially? Well, there's a few mice in my flat, but they're not... I wouldn't consider them pets. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to, as children, have pets. We did, didn't we? I don't currently have a pet. Let's talk about the pets that we used to have. Okay. Okay. Can you remember all? Of, what were the first pets that we had? The first pets that we had, I think, were a pair of gerbils. I think we had fish before we had gerbils, didn't we? Did we? I think so. That's going to be annoying. I think we had goldfish. Is that going to be annoying? The bing. Every time an email comes in. What bing? I didn't hear a bing. Oh, well, I heard a bing. You've got headphones on. Yeah. Sorry, distraction. Um, Just make the What was the question it. again? Uh, Can for, you remember our first? I don't remember the goldfish, I'm afraid. Never mind. They weren't that interesting. No, they just did what goldfish usually do. Which is die. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they do, don't they? I they mean, they do say that's the function of a pet for a child is to introduce children to the concept of death. Is that the, the uh, main function of a pet? <laughs> the, main, the, main, the main function of a pet, yes. And all the other things. like just, just a f- byproduct. The fun are just like happy byproducts, <laughs> but the main purpose is to teach a child about death. I believe so. Okay. No, obviously I'm being a bit silly there. But what we can do is talk about the pets that we had as children and see if we can remember what happened to them. I don't remember the goldfish too well. I remember um, we had a pair of gerbils, like I said, which are very cute little rodents from the deserts of the Sahara or somewhere. F- yeah, I don't know where they come from exactly, gerbils. I think they gerbils. probably come from uh, the Gulf. Yeah, maybe. Um, Persia. Iraq, Iran. I don't yeah. know. We should have checked this first. They're little we? rodents. They are... Are you going to Google where do gerbils come from? The pet shop. Hey! Uh, little rodents that... Yeah, there you go. Where do gerbils come from? Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Yeah, very good. You were, you were, you were quite right on that one. So it's a bit like a mouse, but cuter, a bit bigger. They've got a fairly long tail. They're very adorable. They're quite clean. They don't smell as much as mice, I find. Somehow they're, they're very clean, yeah. They live in, they're used to living in very dry conditions, and they, they kind of jump around quite, quite fast, don't they? They, they can be quite mo- uh, quick, yeah. and they tend to gnaw on things. Yeah, they're, they're very there's, cute and funny. There's a verb that people won't know, to gnaw on Gnaw. Well, it's G-N-A-W. Yeah, you don't pronounce the G. And it's pronounced gnaw. And that, how would you explain the word gnaw? Kind on? of... Well, it's, it's a bite. It's <laughs> kind of chew on something with your teeth, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, where were we? So these gerbils were um, bought for us by our parents. Mm-hmm. And they were named, I think, Gower and Gatting, who were two England um, cricket stars of the time right. who played for the national england national cricket team <clears throat> and they were big names in cricket that i think i suspect my dad probably named them after mm-hmm. that so they were gower and gatting they were very cute and we sometimes let them out and they'd run around 
um, yeah. that we'd give them empty loo roll tubes to play with. That they liked the, that. That was their favourite thing, though. With- I think they had a wheel, which they generally ignore. And we had them, instead of in a cage, we had them in what we called the gerbil area. That was later. No, ah. originally we had, um, the first gerbils we had were in a little cage. And they used to gnaw on the bars. A bit worrying when you see their little teeth on the bars. Yeah. I mean, just even the idea of keeping them in a little cage is mm. a bit messed up. I mean, I mean, that is, a, we'll come to the ethics of keeping pets later. Mm-hmm. The deep ethical implications. Um, but it was fun having little gerbils. We must have been about, I don't know, six or seven years old yeah, or something. something. like that. Um, do you remember what happened to those two? Uh, well, they, I assume they died. They, they're not immortal, so... Um. <laughs> 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 yeah, they settled down in uh, Portugal. <laughs> retired. They retired they're in Portugal. still there to this day. Still there. Um, no, they... Um, uh, one of them escaped... I didn't remember that, no. Yeah, they. there was one time when we let them out and they had them running around and stuff. And we'd let them out and they'd run around, but we'd keep, managed to keep them in enclosed in a certain area. Mm. But this one managed to get out of that area and there was a little hole in the floorboards. Right. Right, and it just went for this hole and just went out and just escaped. It was never seen again. Never, ever seen again. I... I expect it didn't survive very well no it would have got cold and would have run out of food and probably been bullied by mice and rats yeah you can imagine them ganging out where are you who are you yeah well it was london though wasn't where it? are you from yeah they wouldn't have spoken a brummy accent they would have been oi mate oi mate oi what are you a gerbil coming around here stealing our sesame seeds stealing our cheese <laughs> um and then so the, there was one left then and it did die Mum told us about this earlier. Go on, go tell, tell us the story. The, the gerbil died, and uh, the, so the one remaining gerbil that we had died uh, during the night, I suppose, and Mum and Dad found it, and um, then they had to prepare themselves to, to tell us, because we were only seven, six or seven years old or something. They expected us to be very upset. They, they thought we'd be traumatised, and it would be like a really difficult you know, part of our upbringing. And uh, I think Mum decided to do it and she said to us um boys uh, we've got to tell you something very sad and we we're like what 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 i'm afraid the gerbil died and she expected us to cry or something like that and what happened well apparently we just said can we see it <laughs> and i remember seeing it it was rigid stiff as a board and it was kind of halfway through a a, a loo roll tube like in mid-stretch. A loo roll tube. And the, you could pick it up and it would stay solid. You know, it wasn't bendy. It was absolutely... you didn't pick it up. Well, I remember seeing mum pick it up. and right. I think I might have touched it. Really? It's only, it's only a gerbil. See, it, it helped you learn about death. It did. It did. I sort of, that moment, something clicked. And I, oh, I see mortality. Right. Yeah. Okay. A loo roll tube. That's the cardboard tube in the, in the middle of a toilet roll. I think they're pretty universal. But they might not know the phrase loo roll tube. Okay, loo roll tube. So this is the sort of thing that gerbils love. They would run through them and they would uh, gnaw them, um, bite them and chew them up into a sort of a kind bedding. of... Bedding. Bedding, yeah. They'd make bedding out of it. Everything was for bedding. Mm. That was their main, con- main concern, food and bedding. So they they were quite cool. Yeah, that's right. So we had those, those gerbils. And then uh, later on... When we moved um, to sort of the countryside, uh, we got cats. The first cat we got was rescued, I think. We had other gerbils as well. We did. We had lots of other gerbils, but they come later. Do they? Yeah, they do. Um, Were the cats and the gerbils a good combo? 
Well, it never caused any problems, did it? No, it never caused any problems. The cat never. The cats never actually got the gerbils because no. later on, after we got cats, we did get some more gerbils. But the, the cats would try and uh, sort of. Um, the, the cats were obsessed with catching the gerbils, but they could never do it. I don't remember that at all. I don't remember about the any gerbil cat crossover. Really, no. I do. I oh, do. Okay. Well, your memory's much better than mine. Yeah. That's why we record these sessions, just so I can <laughs> fill me in on bits of my life. Help you I've remember your about. life. It's you know it's you true. think that we're recording a podcast. <laughs> it's not. I've I've been asked to do this in order to help you remember. It's therapy. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, we moved to the countryside and we got several cats. We, the first one we got was a black cat that I think had been rescued from somewhere. Mm, I don't remember where she came from. I think it was a rescued cat. Yeah, but she wasn't very sort of happy was she no i think she, there was something wrong with her she was very she seemed yeah quite sad and very quiet that cat a bit traumatized yeah we don't know how what had happened to that little cat but when she it was, was very kitten. sweet yeah and uh her name was cass named after a, a casserole dish because when um so she Not was mama cass from the mamas and the papas no i don't think so no when uh my dad when dad bought her, he planned to give her to mum as a surprise. So um, they he bought the cat and then our grandparents kept the cat for a few days in their place. And apparently she would climb up to the top shelf in the kitchen where there was a casserole dish and she would curl up in the casserole dish and fall asleep up there. That's the only place she would mm. feel comfortable. So she would sleep in this casserole dish on the top shelf of the kitchen. And that's why uh, her name ended up becoming Cass for oh, casserole dish. Cassie, very good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Cass was very sort of jumpy and nervous and didn't really like a lot of human contact. And uh, generally be found as far away from humans as possible. So in, in the spare bedroom or under the bed, hiding in the, under the bed or yeah, sweet thing. And you try and, you try and like stroke her or, or like, you know, tickle her or something. And invariably she'd just strike, uh, <laughs> strike out against you in defense, scratch you or something and yeah. or hiss at you. Yeah. So she wasn't the friendliest cat. Um, and then later on, we got another cat. Do you remember that one? Yes. This cat we bought or was given from, some friends of the parents yeah and they'd had a litter of cats litter of kittens from their cat and their little daughter had named all the kittens so when we got our second cat which was called posy mm-hmm. we were told it was a female little kitten that the daughter had named posy and a posy is like a little bunch of flowers it's an english word very, for a bunch of flowers very pretty pretty sort of feminine name yeah very feminine name named by this little girl so we were like oh that's so sweet we'll we'll keep her as posy we won't change her name and then went, a few months later or a few weeks later we took her to the doctors to get checked out and they said actually this little girl cat is actually a little boy cat so the boy cat was called Posey, <laughs> and he never quite got over that, did he? He was always a bit screwed up about that one. The, he was slightly mad. He was mental. <laughs> Completely mental. Really manic-looking face, wild-looking eyes, a big <laughs> white flash, very fluffy, white flash down its front, and just bizarre, weird animal. Bonkers. Yeah. Um, but you went and picked Posey from the other kittens. Uh, you and Dad 
went and maybe mum as well i think posy was the cutest one of the lot so we went yeah we'll have that little girl cat yeah she looks sweet not knowing it was actually a deeply messed up male cat but with, I, ish, with ish, deep issues. But I remember you telling me that you picked Posey because she was um, running around being quite hyperactive and funny and maybe climbing up your trouser leg or something like that. Yeah, she was the most active cat yeah. in the group. And I was the... He. When it was, he. <laughs> it's he. A he. We know it's a he now. We <laughs> thought it was a she then. So always go for the most liveliest one when you're choosing a cat. That's my tip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> don't go for the one that's like with the pus coming out of its eyes it's kind of sitting in the corner looking a bit you know weird go for the lively one <laughs> so you went for the lively one thinking it was a girl went to the doctor not just just have it checked out but to have it spayed spayed that's unsexed what's it to to castrated have, have an operation on a female cat you have it spayed which is to have an operation done on the cat so that it can't have kittens um i mean it sounds so cruel it does it? sound cruel but otherwise they become wild basically yeah and they attract lots of dodgy male cats from around the area and then you've got a pregnant cat and loads of kittens everywhere and yeah. it's, it becomes a bit of a nightmare and the male cats can be very aggressive and they spray if they haven't been spayed they have, they if they haven't been castrated pheromone stuff all over the yeah, house it's horrible basically they're very i mean it's, it does seem very mean though to get their little bollocks cut off but. yeah <laughs> well we, so we took posy you took posy to the to the vet not the doctor I mean, it was oh yeah vet, it not was the vet, doctor was that would be weird the doc the, the doctor looks after humans yeah the doctor would be like so uh, mr thompson how can we help you today? <laughs> well actually uh, it's this little cat uh well normally that's not covered by the nhs sorry normally i i do humans but okay in this yeah. case since you ask nicely they're basically humans and cats are basically the same same set of skills um and so Posey was taken to be spayed, and the doc- and the vet was like, uh, "Posey's actually a boy," and uh, the and probably it was like, "Oh, really? Well, cut his bollocks off then." <laughs> <laughs> Same fee, isn't it? Same fee, okay. Same price. Yeah, yeah. just do that. Um, and yeah, so Posey was uh, adorable as a kitten, very very funny, hilarious. Uh, he used to run around the place like, like a crazy possessed little creature, but so cute. And um, it was very fun to play with. But then it, it kind of, as it as he grew up to become a full-size cat, he still acted like a kitten, still running around like a crazy little uh, thing. And, um, and then just sort of slowly went a bit mad. <laughs> what were some of the things that meant that, it, that Posey was mad? How did you know that Posey was a bit mad? He would, he would occasionally just start running around really manically, climbing up things, climbing underneath the underside of the sofa, clinging yeah. to the underside of the upside sofa, down. upside down. Um, I can't remember what other things. It used to eat a lot of wild animals, which I also think is a bit bad. Introducing a pet into a wild Eco, ecosystem ecosystem where it'll just ravage all the local wildlife <laughs> totally Im- another reason not to have a pet is because it eats all the little wild birds and mice and stuff it ruins the delicate balance of the mm. ecosystem in the area and yeah. it used to eat and catch and eat big rabbits mm-hmm. that were in the fields near where we lived and um one day i remember coming downstairs and there was a full-size rabbit just with its head lying in the in the cat's food bowl <laughs> and somehow he dragged this rabbit through the cat flap as well which was quite impressive mm-hmm. but he hadn't eaten it i think it was a present for us like right. you feed me i feed you 
<laughs> and so we've looked, Jesus, look at the size of that rabbit. It's massive. It's like the Serengeti out there, like those sort of nature documentaries of lions, you know, taking down wildebeest and stuff. It was kind of the equivalent of that. Mm, yeah. Um, and Luke, you saw it eating a rabbit oh, whole once, didn't Several you? times I would uh, come back. We had a little room between the kitchen and the back garden, which is where we'd put the cat's food down. And there was a cat flap that let, let the cat into that little space. So we, we wouldn't let the cat into the house at night, usually. Um, he would have... Um, he would have that little sort of utility room area and outside and he would uh, bring in animals uh, into the utility room onto the doormat and then eat them there and a couple of times I went into the utility room and saw Posey in a moment of wildness because normally he'd be all domesticated and very sweet and then sometimes you'd catch him at night and he's a wild animal it's like what who are you (laughs) And um, I remember seeing once or twice him with a rabbit there, like biting through, like biting the rabbit's head off. He would always start with the head. And crush its skull like, in its <laughs> mouth. Crunch, crunch, crunch head crunch. first. Yeah, eat the entire rabbit. Bones he, and everything. He would eat the entire thing, bones and everything, except for the spleen, which is probably like some disgusting little organ. Toxic little bit of internal organ. And, and the little fluffy tail. They're, horrible there'd be really. like a little fluffy tail left on the doormat and a spleen i mean that's the thing with cats dogs are loyal cats are just little bastards really they don't really care they'll stick around and pretend to be cute for food but it, you know if they were the same size as we were we'd be finished they'd yeah they would us. eat us the if they first could. time they got a bit bored they'd just kill and eat the whole family <laughs> <laughs> that's right I mean, and also they don't really know what they are i mean i think a dog knows its place and it knows its role in in the family but a cat isn't really self-aware and it doesn't really know that it's a pet and it's just it seems to be quite confused about its role in life i mean it's a killer it's designed to kill and eat things but yet it's petted Mm. and soft and domesticated and they're kind of bipolar i think psychopaths they they are completely psycho (laughs) and there's a little fact i heard the other day that if you if you're driving and you hit and run over a dog Mm -hmm. in the uk you're legally obliged to report that to the police office, really? police station. Uh-huh. And But if you run over and hit and kill a cat, you're not. Really? And we were saying, well, that's a bit unfair. And I've realized, because dogs are working animals, they actually have a use. Mm. Nobody relies on their cat for, <laughs> for, like, you know, you can't get guide cats like you can get guide dogs or sheep cats like you can get sheep dogs. Dogs, you could rely on a dog. So yeah. if you're blind, you might need that dog. And if it gets run over, that's going to really affect your life mm-hmm. a lot. But a cat is no good for anything, really. Yeah. There's no function for a cat in society. They're, they are Apart from maybe keeping mice away, but that's not really something that you're going to you know, really depend upon. They're basically selfish animals, aren't they, cats? They look after number one, um, primarily. And what is this thing? Have you ever heard this thing about... When a person sort of dies in their in their home, and they get eaten by their they cat, they get eaten by their own cat. Like the when the person has died, the cat will just start to eat, eat eat your face off or something. You do hear these stories, yeah, yeah. They they are pretty nasty little psychopaths, um, cats. But, but cute. we've we've created them. You know, it's our fault. Did we did we create cats? Human being. Well, domestic. They've been domesticated over the centuries. Wild cats that have been bred, bred and, and crossbred and crossbred, and to make them smaller and cuter and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more manageable would you have a dog i wouldn't um if i lived in the countryside maybe uh i, th- I think they're 
they're great when they're in the great outdoors and especially when they're intelligent and functioning you know they have mm. a use mm-hmm. i like working dogs or at least dogs that you know can look after themselves i don't like these little city dogs that you see around that are just little wastes of space basically these little handbag dogs and stuff that you see i uh-huh. fucking hate them little rats <laughs> <laughs> and they're just there to to look cute and They've been bred to the point of almost uselessness. Mm-hmm. Like you can get these little bulldogs, French bulldogs, and they, they can hardly breathe. They've been bred to look so pug-faced and, you know, squashy-faced, which we think is cute, but they're... <laughs> <laughs> they're useless. They can barely walk. You know, a lot of those dogs... Might, we might have people listening to this who actually know... Yeah, if know you have those dogs, that- sorry, I'm not... Don't take it personally. I just personally hate them. Well, we might have people listening to this who have those dogs, and we don't really mean any offence. But also, we might have people listening to this who actually know about dogs and and know about br- how to breed dogs and yeah. uh, and all those sorts of things. And and I was uh, told once by a Spanish guy that I taught English to, who was a dog breeder. Mm-hmm. He told me about some of those breeds of dogs, like pugs and other, like bulldogs and things like that. They have those creased up faces, um, and they have those sort of uh, that, those broad front legs and stocky little back legs. Yeah, and they have the lower jaw is sort of um, protruding, uh, pr- pr- prominent lower jaw, and they're basically designed to fight. They're fighting yeah, dogs, yeah. and and the 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 front legs are quite broad to give them stability. The back legs uh, are quite close together to to give them extra force when pushing forwards. Yeah, and uh, a smaller dog, in a sense, is is um, more dangerous or more effective because they kind of they can go up, and uh, they've got a lower sense lower center of gravity, so that it's harder for other dogs to flip them over. And they've got a lot of strength around the neck and shoulders. And also the, cr- the wrinkles and creases in their face are so that blood can drain off. The, the blood doesn't go in the eyes and it drains away from the, the that face. sounds a bit far-fetched, but I'll believe it. I'll believe it. Yeah. I don't really know anything about dogs, so I'll buy that. Um, yeah, very interesting stuff. But uh, I mean, in medieval times, there was a big part of hunting and, you know, every nobleman and probably lower down people had hunting dogs and they're in all these medieval paintings and stuff it's really king cool. henry the eighth and all that really interesting point though that dogs perform lots of different useful functions like you have police dogs yeah you couldn't have a police cat no that wouldn't work like if if people in the city were rioting there was like a big <laughs> uh, um you know violent riot bring going out on. some bad tempered cats on leads and sort out the protesters maybe like a leopard or a, <laughs> a tiger i think they'd be too skittish to really be any good you can't really train a leopard, I don't think. Yeah, the, the chances are the leopard would just... Whip. Eat, eat the policeman. Yeah, it would attack the policeman. Which it's, would be quite funny, but... Um, or it, it would it would certainly introduce a an element of mad kind of danger into the proceedings, wouldn't it? it would, do you think um, uh, you could disperse a riot by introducing a bunch of uh, big cats into the street? Um... I think it could. I think that people would run. <laughs> people would run, wouldn't they? They'd run home. But then the next thing you've got to deal with is all the big cats that are just loose in London. Yeah, it's not It's not very discriminatory as far as who the target is. No, d- dogs are much more effective for that sort of And purpose. you can't have drugs cats either. You can't, you know, drug sniffing cats at borders and airports or, no. s- or explosive snipping sniffing cats but there cats weirdly do have uh, a herb that uh, seems to make them high have you seen that yeah catnip catnip it's a sort of herb that grows naturally and cats love it and it makes them go all high 
And yeah, it's it, quite funny, isn't it? It's hilarious. They sniff it and they start rolling around on the ground and they drool everywhere. I feel like we're going on a bit of a tangent here. Should we go back to sort of pets? Yeah, so pets I mean, we have. As far uh, as breeding had. dogs, quickly, uh, yeah. Al- apparently Dalmatians are really, really stupid. What, the sp- ones with spots? Yeah, because they've been bred for their looks. Yeah. But they haven't been bred for their brains. Is that uh, right? Apparently, they're really stupid. Okay. So you <laughs> can- Just a little fact I, I may be made up. okay we may need to fact check that one fact check all of this dalmatians are really (laughs) stupid it's a sort of fact that you hear in the pub isn't it yeah dalmatians duffed as a brush yeah they're all really stupid the stupidest of dogs dalmatians Um, i could google it but i don't want to let's just leave that a mystery okay and um posy right the cat so his double life his His double double life he would he would be a cute cat during the daytime sleeping on the windowsill uh, playing around with string and stuff like that, and meowing a lot when it, when he was hungry. But then at night... Well, we'd put him out at night. He wasn't really a pampered cat. Some cats get to stay in at night, and some cats get put out at night. It's sort of tradition. Yeah. You put the cat out. Yes. And we used to put the cat out at night. It could stay in the little... Utility, utility room. room. But it was pretty freezing in there. It can't have been much fun. There was nowhere to really sleep. Yeah. I think that maybe there was a cardboard box that he slept in. Yeah, well, they like <laughs> cardboard. They like cardboard. They do boxes. like cardboard boxes because you can true. you can buy a cat like a really nice uh, handmade, uh, comfortable sleeping box, and they will choose the cardboard box mm. um, for some reason. So, but I remember a few times um, noticing that Posey was getting up to things at night outside. Did you ever see? I remember one once actually us both waking up in the middle of the night because we could hear all of these howling and screeching sounds going on in the garden all this kind of all that kind of stuff and we and uh it wasn't yoko ono doing a concert in the back garden very funny it was um uh loads of the local cats had gathered around in our back garden and they were being really weird just having a mexican standoff just staring at each other why why wailing that's right staring wailing and just arching their backs and being really weird and sort of walking backwards and stuff it's probably a full moon yeah and i remember though this that all these cats were being really weird and uh arching their backs and being aggressive and having this big standoff around uh, a flower bed in the middle of the the patio in our garden and then i remember seeing posy in the middle of the flower bed just relaxed <laughs> <laughs> he was just like chilling out in the flower bed while all these other cats were all sort of having weird uh, standoffs with each other. And Posey was just lounging like so some was, sort of mafia boss. So he was either the alpha male or the most beaterish male. We don't know which. <laughs> One of the two is either the king of the cats or just the lowest rung of all the cats. But who knows? If any cat experts know, write in and let us know. It was his territory. I mean, he, he was... Um, you know, in the middle of his own territory. And so maybe he'd called a cat meeting mm. and he was sort of lounging there while all these other cats were sort of posturing. Debating the best way to overthrow the humans. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to tell, really. Mm. Uh, but it was pretty, pretty weird. Um, did we have um, any other? Well, we, we had, had gerbils. Then we had when more we... gerbils. We had stick insects at some point, I think, really? before the gerbils. What's a stick insect? I think that was when I was at small school little what do you call it primary school Mm -hmm. uh stick insect looks very much like a stick acts very much like a stick in fact you might as well just get a stick what's a stick it's a brown twiggy thing that's a stick well what's brown and sticky a stick (laughs) 
insect. Um, so they were there. Wait. Everyone knows what a stick insect is. No, no, they're completely no, no, they useless, and it's very hard to tell when they're dead or alive. When there's like fifty of them in a cage or just one, I can't really can't see the point. A stick. We need to. Sorry, we do need to explain what a stick is because you've got a tree. Okay, here's how we explain it. A tree. Wait. You always pick the most obscure, not obscure, but the sort of yeah, random we, words no, to explain. Hold on. They can understand all this, but the the one yes, word that they yes. they get hung up on is stick. Yes, I might have been teaching English for 15, 16 years. So if we're talking about stick insects, they might need to know what a stick is. What, and they already what a, know what an insect is. Yes, of they? course they know what an insect is. Yes. It's far more, a far higher frequency word than stick. Believe me. Believe me. A stick is something you throw to a dog that's fallen off a tree. Okay, but well, the dog's is... fallen off a tree. A, yeah, go on. A stick is a thing you throw to a dog. It's a small piece of wood. Yeah, it's fallen off a branch. But sticks that stick insects resemble are the tiny, tiny little ones, like two centimeters long. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think stick insects are both male and female at the same time, or they've got some sort of weird gender fluidity shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> Very ahead of their time. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, they look like a stick. They don't move. They, you might as well have a stick as a pet. Yeah, and it it's less disappointing just to have a, an actual stick because, you know, they just die or they breed massively, one of the two. They all just die within a fortnight or they'll breed to the point at which you've got to start giving them away. Stick insects. Yeah, not yeah. sticks. Stick, in, stick insects <laughs> don't breed. I mean, oh, God. Sticks don't breed. Sticks don't breed. Stick insects stick do. Insects they sometimes breed or, do. breed or die. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we- they're generally distributed at school through a network, sort of underground network of school children, like stick insect dealers, mm-hmm. basically. And you might get the first one free, and then the second one's going to cost you. Right. They get you with the first one. They get one. you hooked. <laughs> with the- then when that dies... My stick insect died. Well, I can sort you out a female, but it's gonna be two quid. What? What? What were the? Uh, what was the attraction of having a stick insect? I honestly don't know. But as a child, if you can remember, because back- they were they look kind of cool, and you stare at them. Is that a stick or is that an insect? And that was kind of the game. Right. Sometimes they'd move. Like fucking hell, that is a stick insect. And then other times they wouldn't. Right. It could be a dead stick insect. <laughs> Could just be a that's stick. The thing. <laughs> Dead insect or a stick, that's a really difficult one to, to work out. Um, okay, we had gerbils after we'd had cats. We kept them not in a cage, but we kept them in a glass, what used to be like a, an aquarium for fish. And we put our gerbils in that. Was that, was that okay? We called it the gerbilarium. <laughs> we did, yeah. But it had holes in the top. It wasn't sealed or anything. And no. it didn't have water in it, by the way. <laughs> That's right. Sawdust and some uh, loo roll hole things. Loo roll tube. Loo roll tubes. Yeah. In uh, inner tubes. <laughs> right. And uh, and that was about it. That's all I had was like some bits of, maybe some bits of wood or a bowl of food. I got creative uh, once and I created all these like uh, levels made out of wood. There are so, seven levels I seem to remember. Yeah, um, all these different levels made out of wood with holes drilled in them. Well, that so was that, cool actually. It was, like, it was like a sort of gerbil ha- fun house. It's like a network of tunnels made out of wood and the gerbils would would run around through all the tunnels and they build their nest at the bottom in the corner and stuff. That was good fun. Yeah, it was good fun. And with all that wood in there, they would spend the entire time just gnawing constantly this sound of like They'd be gnawing a piece of wood which would, like, um, rattle and tap against the glass. So you'd be eating dinner and there'd just be this clank going on in the corner of the room. I think those gerbils were called Terry and June. 
who were named after a very old school English sitcom mm-hmm. based in suburbia with a sort of middle age to retirement age couple. Mm-hmm. And it's very old school British comedy right. of which the kind that's deeply unfashionable now. Yeah. And there was lots of misunderstandings and maybe double entendres in Terry and June. Yeah, I think so. Just hilarious situations where they get stuck in a room or, you know, like uh, the, the neighbor misunderstands what's going on. And you know, that's a bit like a sort of, how, how would you describe Terry and June? You have to just link it. Just like a, a, a suburban, it's like fast, or, ordinary suburban, fast. suburban life with these two people. Terry was a bit of an idiot and June was really sweet, and they would, for example, a lot of the time they'd be sitting in the garden uh, reading the newspaper or something, and then something funny would happen with the neighbour. Or the uh, the sun brolly thing. Yeah, the, the sort of... Sun um, umbrella would fall down or something like that, kind of... Yeah. I can't remember why. We used to watch it all the time. We I used to, to find it really used to funny. Watch it. Everyone yeah. used to love Terry and June. So we named our gerbils after Terry and June. And the, um, and the gerbils would be running around inside the gerbilarium, and, the, and Posey would... In, would sort of trot through the kitchen and they'd be on the floor uh, by the door. He would trot through the kitchen and just casually and then he would just spot one of the gerbils out of his out of the corner of his eye and just go bonkers and just launch himself at the gerbilarium and scrabble in the corner, you know, scrabbling at the corner to try and get one of the gerbils. He didn't know that you can't dig through glass. He didn't really get glass as a concept. And they were metal edged as well these this aquarium gerbilarium yeah so he wasn't ever going to get through the gerbils weren't bothered at all no they, they just, just look at him and go <laughs> yeah they just look at him and carry on yeah lol um that's the extent of the pets that we had but you had a, uni- uh, a goldfish at university didn't you do you remember that yeah i had actually originally had three goldfish uh-huh one was sort of bluish one was one of those fantail type ones and one was a your classic sort of straightforward goldfish mm-hmm. and the other two died very very quickly as how, they often can, do can you tell me how they died i mean well one day they're just floating on the top because what they what their gold- fins go down you know you've got a healthy goldfish when its fins all erect and <laughs> healthy looking and they're looking all lively and when they get a bit sick their fins start drooping and you start fretting and feeding them too much maybe i haven't fed them enough but that's what always kills them is too much food yeah if you want to keep a goldfish healthy, just don't feed it anything at all for years. And it keeps them really fit and alert. And <laughs> basically nearly starve them. That's how you get a healthy goldfish. It's true. It's and true. they pick through all the stones at the bottom for tiny, tiny morsels of probably food or poo or something. And um, yeah, so the other two died pretty quickly. And this one just lived for flipping ever. And I felt a bit bad just being one in there, but we're going to do the other two died. It's not my fault. Just, and yeah. it went round university with me and back, so they lived for it lived for at least five or six years. Yeah, and it was big by the end. Yeah, it was. Re- it grew really big, and you're right. It was really, really lively, and you you didn't feed it. I mean, that's the thing. No, I did feed it, just very little, very, very, very rarely, very small amounts of food. That's the main cause of death of goldfish in in a house it's by overfeeding because the kids always go i want to feed the goldfish and it's fun but then they just die really quickly it's the only way that you can interact with the goldfish yeah and so So that's that i think it was called jaws or it might have been called goldie i'm not sure named after the drum and bass dj i remember though when um you would go into your room 
the fish would notice you come in and it would start swimming back and forwards really quickly. Yeah, hoping that it was going to get fed yeah. that week. Yeah, but uh, certainly <laughs> stayed alive for longer than any goldfish I've ever known before. So yeah. maybe your, uh, your approach of not feeding it very much um, works. It is a bit sad, though, keeping, keeping a goldfish on its own. It seems a bit lonely. Do you think so? I haven't got a clue. But I they mean, s- how much of a brain have they got? But they say they've got a memory of 10 seconds. Well, it's a very lonely 10 seconds. But I mean, it would be like 10 seconds. Oh, I'm a goldfish. I'm a goldfish. And they'd be like, oh, I'm a goldfish again. Oh. And, um, you know, it, if if it's only got a 10 second memory, it's not going to care whether it's got friends or not. Is it? I mean, take I don't know. I don't know second, the inner workings of a goldfish. 10 seconds to be like, oh, where am I? Oh, I'm floating around in a, in a, in a thing. Um, I'm floating around in like a little uh, goldfish bowl. Um, I wonder if there are, any, are there any other people in here. Let me have a look. Oh, uh, uh, where am I? Things with goldfish, they don't need the filters and stuff. They can survive just in ordinary water for a long, long time. Actually, didn't we put it outside into the pond? Is that what happened to it? I think we did. We, we had a tiny little pond, um, basically an overflow from <laughs> the gutters. It's clean water. It was just rainwater. It was rain fairly water. clean water. It was just rainwater, yeah. And I think we released it into there, and I'd see it every now and then. Yeah. In amongst the little lily pads and stuff. We had loads of goldfish over the years. I had one too, which um, ultim- ultimately got released into the pond. And yeah, we used to put our goldfish into the pond eventually, and they would stay and survive in there. And you see them even in winter. Big. would be fine, yeah. And you'd see them, a glimpse of it. Yeah, yeah. funny, yeah. funny. Um, it's probably happier in there than in a bowl or in a little box. Oh, yeah, I would have thought so. And so, uh, would you have a pet now? Um, you, you live... You live. Uh, no, I, I thought about... Well, I'd like to have a pet, but my flat's very small and I live in central London. Well, urban London, not central. Um and the only pet I quite like the idea of is a ferret. What's a ferret? It's I don't actually know. It's, is it a mammal or is it something else? It's a isn't it a rodent? No, it's not a rodent. I think it's a sort of mm. quadruped mammal. Let me just check. They're very lively and they're kind of like a traditional pet in the north of England. Uh huh. And people, I think go ratting with them catch rats and stuff and they're like a mink or a let me tell you okay the ferret is the domesticated form of the european polecat a mammal belonging to the same genus as the weasel um mustella of the family mustellidae they typically have brown black white or mixed fur so they're kind of like quite long they're they're very quick, very they're quite clever. I think they're yeah. quite funny. They're very cute, um, but I think they need quite a lot of care and attention. And I think you're supposed to let them go outside sometimes and stuff. Yeah, and they're, they're, I, they're, I don't have enough space or time to have a ferret, so unfortunately, I'm not going to get a ferret. Need to explain though, still what it is. They're 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 kind of very long. I mean, I <sighs> they look like a polecat, like a little wild mink or something. Yeah, long, low to the ground. I think they eat all sorts of things. I think they eat insects. They've got a long tail. They've got like a... um, It's it's hard to explain. I don't want to say that it looks like a rat because people... No, they don't look like rats. I think they can swim. I think they can eat snakes. They're pretty versatile, pretty tough little creatures. Um, People use... They're they're very cute and they're very interested in things. They're very lively and intelligent and... um, they love exploring, they love climbing up things, but I think it would be too much to get one. 
Right. So I'm not going to. Okay. They um, they are used for doing things like catching other animals. Like, for example, they can be used to hunt rabbits. You Because they are so long and thin, and they're very good at crawling through tunnels in the ground. So you send the ferrets into the rabbit holes, and they will chase the rabbits out, and then you can catch them when they come out the other end. Um, and they're also good for kind of chasing or catching uh, rats that uh, might have found their way into you know parts of the parts of someone's house or something like that. And also up north, they have a sport of putting ferrets down your trousers. This might sound ridiculous because it's, because it is ridiculous, but I'm sure there's videos of this online, but blokes tie string around the bottom of their trousers and shove a load of ferrets down their trousers and they wriggle around i don't really know what the point of it is except (laughs) to prove how cool and tough you are because there's always the danger the ferret might see your, your, your penis and think it was a tasty morsel and take a big bite into it and i think that's the risk i think it's a bit of like an extreme sport before they'd invented skateboarding and stuff and like hand gliding so you just get a few ferrets chuck them down your trousers and hope for the best (laughs) and that was they you know they had to find their own entertainment in those days the the winner was the one who could get the most ferrets down his trousers without his penis being bitten off right i see okay so that's that (laughs) all right ferrets uh would you if anyone if any of your listeners have got ferrets please post a ferret video because I think they're really cool. We want to see a video of you with the ferrets down your trousers, please. Maybe not. To, we don't want to be responsible for any ferret-related accidents. Trouser. Trouser-related <laughs> ferret incidents. Yeah, but yeah. if you do it anyway, just send us the video. But we, we're not responsible for any trouser mishaps. Yeah. Um, other animals as, as pets. So we talked a bit about dogs there. I mean, we're not really dog people. We haven't had dogs in our lives. But I, I think, think they're cool when they're out in the country and they're... Um, like sheepdogs are amazing when you watch the sheepdog trials and they can communicate with the, the, the farmer can communicate with the dog by just whistling and shouting commands and the dog can round up a whole load of sheep and get it through a fence, uh, uh, you know, a gate. Yeah. And uh, I think that's incredible. I love those sort of more intelligent farm type dogs like collies and um, yeah. the like. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. But I'm not really a big dog fan. I find them generally quite annoying and they shit everywhere and uh, they mm. bark and when you do a paper round like both of us did when we were kids you soon learn to fear and and hate dogs because uh, doing- they generally bite you and they're just little bastards doing a paper round involves riding around the town on your bike and delivering papers to people's houses and we both did paper rounds in our in our village and um doing the paper round involves yeah like um going to the front door of people's houses and many of those people have dogs and some of those dogs are very uh yappy like yap 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 bap, bap, bap. you know they bark uh, a lot right i used to hate jack russells for that reason jack they're Rus- a sort of english breed aren't they yeah little dogs they're known for Again, ratting and stuff. You can catching. send them down rabbit holes and catch rats with them. And they've got this action when they catch a toy, like a little fluffy toy or something. They you know, fling it from side to side in a kind of figure of eight type motion. And kill it. Which basically will just immediately break the neck of a rat or something. But you can see that in them when they're even just playing. That's their default movement is they ring the creature in half basically yeah can be very aggressive but they can also be very sweet my friend's got a jack russell now and i really like it when they're well trained and well brought up just they can be mean when they're not looked after properly there there was a jack russell that um lived at a house that we used to deliver papers to do you remember once um that um it was it was a bit like um sort of russian roulette 
of like he'd open the gate to get to the front door. He didn't know if the Jack Russell was loose or not. And sometimes the jack- it was loose and it would come tearing towards you. And just start biting you. And start biting your ankles and stuff. <laughs> and uh, once you told me that um, that happened and the owner, the, the, the man of the house, just arrived with this whippy stick. It was stick. a woman, actually. It was this horrible woman that lived in this house. And she'd just start whipping this dog with this stick. And I was thinking, fuck, I'm not surprised it's badly behaved if that's how the owner treats it. Yeah. So I think it's a reflection of the owner on how a dog behaves. <laughs> but um don't beat your dogs out there okay it's not cool there'll be someone listening go but you have to beat dogs otherwise blah, 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 blah. no you so. don't no you don't all right um what else just don't uh, have a dog if you don't like them don't have one don't have one and then hit it right yeah just don't have one rather than get one and heat hit it yeah just get a pillow hit the pillow if you need yeah. to hit something or hit yourself in the face don't do that listeners <laughs> Um, there was one house on that paper round. There was a, a very aggressive little dog. I don't even know what it was. I never saw it. But um, on the the front door of that uh, house, uh, the letterbox was down at the bottom, and so I would push the paper through the letterbox, and the dog would come running, and would grab the other end of the paper, and then there'd be like this tug of war situation. I could either let the paper go, and the dog would just pull the paper out. And, but sometimes I would hold on to the paper for a bit and the dog would tear the paper to shreds in its teeth. Um, that was that was funny. Didn't you once manage to uh, launch a paper uh, like a missile at, at one of the I think it dogs? was probably the same house, actually. But this dog would come running down the hall and I <laughs> rolled up the newspaper and just slightly bat it into the face of the dog. <laughs> but the paper would fly through the air and you could time it right so that you'd manage to shoot the paper into the hallway of the house while the dog was approaching and you'd manage to like get it get you know hit uh, uh hit the target and you get 10 extra points uh, for doing that. And the the person wouldn't get their paper because it would be in 10 different pieces. Yeah, because the dog would tear it to shreds again. But I wouldn't do that now. I there, wouldn't I wouldn't hit a dog in the face with a newspaper these no, days. No, of course not. Because no. I don't do a paper round anymore. <laughs> um, that's little dogs, little yappy dogs. There was also a dog down the road from us that was huge, a Great Dane. It was like the size of a horse. Do you remember that dog? Yeah, terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. It was like something... Come bounding up to you and you just like get the fear. It was like the Hound of the Baskervilles. If you've ever read that, we probably haven't. Sherlock Holmes book. Sherlock Holmes book about a glow-in-the-dark dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bit far-fetched. I mean, you'd see it and you'd think, Jesus Christ, that's a big, scary, glow-in-the-dark dog. You wouldn't think it was supernatural. Or maybe you would. Maybe maybe in those days, um, in the 19th century, maybe you would. But um, It was I- wide open, the whole supernatural thing. Yeah. That Great Dane, that dog that we're talking about, the big one, it would come running towards you and it would be 10, 20... Feet me- tall. Me- no, 10, 20 metres away and it would already be huge. And then you'd realise it's still got 10 to 20 metres to come before it gets to me. Through your al- perspective out. It's you already think, Hang on, massive. that house is tiny. Oh my God, that dog's enormous. It's a monster. And uh, we'd have to walk past the house to get to the station. And again, it was like Russian roulette trying to work out if the gate would be open. And if the gate was open, uh, you'd have to like try and sneak past like a ninja. And invariably, the dog would come running out and uh, it would l- bound towards the fence. And it, I always thought it would leap over the fence. but It they, could have done. Yeah. If it got hungry enough, it would be over that so fence. So scary. So horrible and scary. Right, what's next? 
well, I was thinking, what other types of animals could be kept as pets? We've had uh, ferrets and things. I quite fancy a lizard as a pet. I think lizards are quite cool. Really? Yeah. I like lizards. They don't do much, though, do they? They sort of move very slowly, stick their tongue out, eat a cricket. That's it. That's about it. It's a bit like I this. think you need to a hot lamp as well, like a hot lamp, yeah, to keep your lizard toasty and warm at all times because they're, <laughs> they're obviously cold-blooded animals and they need to be kept warm right um and i can't be bothered with all that no <laughs> and they they shed their skin and stuff don't they i think they are cool though i like i like lizards okay there we go you need you need like a good branch oh it? my friend i've never seen them but my friend's girlfriend has got a, a wardrobe full of snakes whoa she bought this wardrobe and adapted it put a glass front on it i think it might be on its side and there's two compartments and there's a like a boa constrictor i've seen photos of it seriously yeah boa constrictor and one other type of snake wow and sometimes they get out apparently as well which their flatmates don't like very much but Um, i think snakes are quite cool but i wouldn't have one apparently they make quite good pets you know i think they could be quite intelligent quite affectionate they purr sort of do they no i just made (laughs) um snakes are cool but i wouldn't have one play frisbee with them Right, fetch with a snake. Yeah. You have to wait a while. Yeah, it takes quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And they don't always bring the stick back. Right. But apart from that... Sometimes they come back like three hours later, but just with a massive lump. Yeah, with a Jack Russell inside them. <laughs> they've, they've swallowed a dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about like uh, big animals as, as pets? Things like lions or uh, monkeys? Probably not recommended. I mean, a monkey can rip your face off. Can rip your arms out of your yeah. sockets, can't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, and lions, not a good track record of people keeping big cats as pets. Quite a lot of them get killed and eaten by the animals. As we established earlier. That, uh, a cat- oh, yeah, if a cat was... But yeah, but big cats are big enough to kill you, and they mm-hmm. sometimes do. So don't... Not to be recommended, I don't think. Okay, did you ever see that Louis Theroux documentary about keeping uh, dangerous animals as pets? I think I've seen all of them, so I must have, but I don't remember it there's, exactly. There's one where he visits a woman who has, like, you know, all these different pets, including uh, a chimpanzee. Oh, God. And, and, the, and uh, she comes out with a chimp and gives the chimp to Louis, and Louis's just got this... this is it? No, it's a baboon or something. It's oh, a baboon. Terrifying. So scary, though. Really things. scary. Uh, I think it's a baboon. Is that a monkey? Is that a kind of monkey? It's a, a baboon? type of monkey, yeah. Um, but you re- you know that uh, it's strong enough to, to kill him really easily if it wants yeah. to. And you get the impression that any minute now it could just go mental and like scratch his face or... And he's trying to keep cool so his vibe doesn't like freak it out. Yeah. And he's trying to keep calm, but you can tell he's panicking and scared. There's also a documentary called Project Nim. What's Have that? Seen that? No. It's about a um, an experiment in the 70s. It's definitely in the 70s, where they decided to bring up a monkey as a baby mm-hmm. or a chimp. So this chimp was called Nim, and these bunch of hippies basically decide to rear it and see if they can teach it language. So they bring it up like they, they would bring up, up like a baby. A child. Yeah. And to start with, it seems to be learning language and all these doctors are amazed and scientists because it seems to have learned sign language. But it turns out that it's actually not learning sign language. It's just learning how to repeat things in order to get treats. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a misleading experiment. To start with, you think, oh my God, she's saying, I love you, and it's miming back. Yeah. But all it's doing is repeating the, the process it needs to do in order to get its treat. Mm-hmm. So it's not really communicating. It's just learned this pattern 
that it has to do to get the food. And as it gets bigger, it becomes more and more unruly. And the kind unruly. Of, yeah, dangerous mm. and uh, wild. And the commune that they live in is basically a bit of a hippie situation. And they start giving it booze what? around the table. And they also start giving it weed. No. And this fucking chimp is smoking spliffs around the table with them. <laughs> oh my These God. bloody hippies. Never trust a hippie. <laughs> Especially don't trust them to bring up a chimp. And not surprisingly, it, it starts getting really dangerous. And mm. it, it attacks a couple of people. And they have to put it into sort of monkey care. Yeah. They have to abandon it. And it's because it's built up such a bond with this woman, it's heartbroken and it ends up in sort of in, in chimp jail no. with all these other disturbed chimps. And it's really, really sad. And then like 15 years later, I've sort of spoiled the film here, well, but 15 years later, she goes back to see it and it recognizes her immediately. Yeah. She's like, oh my God, it's Nim. She gets in the cage and it practically kills her. No, really? Yeah. Well, it breaks her arm or something, dislocates her arm, something like that. Wow. And it stops just short of killing her. She says later, it knew it, it could have killed me and it chose not to. It just wanted to really, yeah. really hurt me. Yeah. Cause so all the hurt that... She'd abandoned it and, uh, she, you know, all this other stuff. Oh, so it's very sad. Really sad. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something weird about keeping certain animals as pets. But then, you know, cats and dogs. I mean, it's, it is kind of a symbiotic relationship. I, you know, we joke about the way that cats only care about themselves. But I think that cats are actually very good for people. And, you know, they have a pretty good life. Um, yeah. Um, being fed and, and kept and, in nice, comfortable surroundings. And apparently they give, you know, both dogs and cats give a lot of pleasure to people. And they help to reduce stress. And, for example, old people who live alone, having a little dog... They live longer, and it also forces you to go outside for a walk. Yeah. But who's walking who, man? If you take your dog, dog owners live longer, mm-hmm. and they have, are healthier than people that don't have dogs. Um, but is it fair to keep animals as pets? That's the question. The ethics of keeping an animal. Is it up to us to well, do that? Well, I mean, a lot of the time, these pets are... Uh, the only reason they exist is so that they can be had as pets. It's not like they're being taken out of the wild. No. So they they are, they're being brought into existence in order to be pets. So, if but they, also another issue about this: cats and dogs eat a lot of meat. Yes, mainly beef. And there is an argument to say we should stop having pets because all that's contributing to the like deforestation. All all that meat has to be farmed, and we you know we all know about the excessive farming and what it's doing to and the environment. And, and those cows fart all the time, apparently. This all that is gas contributes to greenhouse gases so And they much. cut down rainforests to put cattle farms on and stuff. So if you're a vegan and you've got a pet, you're a f***ing hypocrite. <laughs> but we're not having a go. Yeah, I don't know if vegans' pets eat meat or not. I they would've... do. You have to feed a dog and a cat meat. Do you? you can't eat, feed a dog vegetables. I, th- I, don't know. I think you can feed a dog protein that tastes like meat. <laughs> I think it, you... Linda McCartney's... Veggie sausages. You think they're happy with that? Uh, I, I've no idea, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if there are protein foods for for dogs and cats that are not made of meat, that are made of other types of protein. Let us know surprised. if you're a vegan dog owner. Yeah, if Actually, you're a... don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I would like to know. About, I'd like to. If know you are well. a vegan dog owner, uh, what do you feed? How do you your, justify that? What eh? do you feed your dog? Uh, I'd like to know. I think that's. I think we're probably done here, James. Oh, status dogs. We've got a thing in this country, probably in other countries, where people like having dangerous, aggressive dogs, kind of in the inner cities as a status symbol. A bit like having 
you know, a weapon or something, weaponized dogs. So you get these dogs. I think the worst ones are, well, pit bulls are quite dangerous and Staffordshire Bull Terriers. They're an English breed that are very cult, cultish following for these dogs. Staffies, they're known as. And I think if they're well looked after, they can be really cool. But they can very easily get very dangerous. And you see examples of people kind of straining with this dog straining on the lead out of control and some not very disciplined dog owner going stop it rex come here and he's like hitting the dog and stuff and these dogs every now and then grab a kid and kill it or something it does get in the news mm, yeah so uh, don't do that dogs that are bred for fighting um but they're yeah. just status symbols yeah I remember that guy I told you before who told me about, you know, the dog breeder who told me about uh, different breeds of dog. He told me that these these dogs are actually, um, you know, although they're fighting dogs, they're not aggressive and that they're actually, they actually make great pets and all that sort of thing. But, you know, often... I wouldn't have one around my kid, don't, like that. Don't you often find that dog owners will always tell you things like that? Like if you're walking through the park and uh, there's a big aggressive dog that comes running towards you, the dog owner will always say, oh, don't worry, he's fine, he's not aggressive. And he's like, he looks pretty <laughs> bloody aggressive to me. I think that uh, that's a suitable note to end this chat or do you do you have anything you desperately need to say about pets pigs we- miniature pigs yes i heard a funny story a while ago about a family that bought a uh, a miniature pig you can have their pigs you can pets. Get these miniature pigs yes and they were sold a miniature pig but it turned out it wasn't a miniature pig it was just an ordinary piglet and as it grew <laughs> it grew to the size of like a pork pig a full-size and it was pig. like five feet long roaming around the house um so Anyway, that was quite funny. Tell story. us your pet stories, ladies and gents. If you've got a pet, you've got a funny pet. Uh, just uh, write in the comments section. And tell us your pet story. Uh, we'd love to know about it. And if you are a vegan with a dog, what do you <laughs> or a cat? What do you feed to that dog or cat? Is there such a thing as uh, vegetarian food for dogs and cats? Thanks so much for listening. And he's gone into the cheesy radio host voice now. In case you're wondering. Uh, thanks so much for talking to me on the the podcast uh, today, James. Talking about pets and. Uh, all right, well, thanks anyway, James. Thanks for talking to me. And it's time for lunch now. Sweet. Okay. Okay, Luke, cheers. So there you go. That was my chat with James about pets. I hope you enjoyed listening to that one. In the comments section, please write about pets that you have or that you have had in your lives. Tell us about cute or funny things that your pets do. Do you have an unusual pet? Have you got any good little pet stories? Put your thoughts into words and add them in the comments section. Now, in terms of language, this conversation obviously contained some vocabulary that would be worth reviewing and clarifying. Also, there was some grammar there, of course. Uh, We were talking a lot about the past, so there were the usual past tenses, but also some very specific aspects of grammar that you might not have noticed. And I'm talking about the ways in which we don't just tell stories in the past, but the ways that we describe habits in the past. There are certain grammatical forms that we use for that, and it might not be obvious to you how that's done. Um, Now, I can help you to learn these things, these uh, certain grammatical forms and bits of vocabulary. I can help you learn them. I can help you to learn how to notice them, uh, to learn how to understand them, and learn how to use them to listen and speak like native English speakers. 
Well, it would be useful, for example, if I published a follow-up episode to this in which I go through all of that language. That would be a way in which I could help you. And that is the sort of thing that you can expect from Luke's English Podcast Premium when that arrives. Now, you might have heard me talk about LEP Premium in recent episodes. I'm setting it up at the moment. If all goes according to plan and it works properly as I hope it will, then at some point soon I'll make that service available to you and you'll be able to sign up, support my work and gain access to some extra episodes in which I focus more carefully and specifically on the aspects of language that you need. So analysing and explaining the grammar and vocabulary in this conversation with James would be an example of what you could expect from Luke's English uh, Podcast uh, Premium episodes but also not just language that's come up in conversations and and monologues, but also it could be a way for me to focus on other aspects of language that I think that you need to know. As I said, I'm still in the process of setting this up at the moment. I'll be um, doing all of that with my host, Libsyn, so that I can publish the premium content into the app and you'll be able to sign in in the app to get premium content there, and also online from a computer. So expect more information about all of that soon. Thank you again for listening. Visit the website, teacherluke.co.uk, to see my transcriptions for the intro and outro of this episode. You can join the mailing list there as well. Uh, Download the app, the Luke's English Podcast app. Just search the App Store for Luke's English Podcast app to get all the bonus content there. There are already various um, app-only episodes and other little bits and pieces there that you can get. And, you know, so then you'll be ready also to get the Luke's English Podcast premium episodes through the app. Um, You can send me a donation through the website if you'd like to support the show. But otherwise, just have a great day or night, or morning, or evening, or whatever time of day it is. And if you have a pet, give them a little treat, like a snack, or a stroke, or a scratch, or just a nice walk in the park. Um, Speak to you again on the podcast soon, but for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.